Luke chapter 16, verse number 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he might dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us... And you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he might testify unto them, lest they also come into the the place, this place of torment. Abraham Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one, uh, one unto them, uh, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. We're coming off of Mission's Conference, a time where We reflect and we look to the Lord to give by faith so that we can support others to go on our behalf across the globe. We're here this past week and we've heard some great preaching. And I believe as now we're coming off to a new week and and, uh, still taking in some of the truths that we've heard, we look at this passage of Scripture and I believe we find an eternal missions conference. Not a missions conference where we sit with comfy chairs and hear great preaching and reflect to our wallets on on how we can give and how we can have a part looking to the Lord. We find tonight an eternal missions conference from a place of torments. A place of darkness, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We find a prayer here from a man desiring someone to go to his brethren. I pray that tonight this message will be an encouragement to all of us to do our part this Easter and to do our part even beyond that until the Lord comes. Let's pray before we we jump into this. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you'll be with this message. Lord, all is vain unless the Spirit of, of you comes down. Lord, may the words that I say be pointed. May they be filled with truth. May they... May you give me wisdom and discernment on how to preach this message. Lord, this is, a, I believe, a great church, a soul-winning church. Lord, I pray that our fervor and our passion will not become cold, not become complacent, 
Lord, may not just be same old, same old, just getting people to church, but Lord, may we have vigor. May we desire to see souls saved. And Lord, to not go to this place of torment that we're about to talk about tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll be with me, Lord, be with my voice. May it be clear and concise. And Lord, pray for the, the hearer tonight. May we not just be hearers, but doers of your word. May we not deceive our own selves. May we stay focused and attentive. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless this evening. We ask your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Luke chapter 16, I've read this passage uh, several times, and uh, as I read it, I almost I think of the context of it. I think of uh, just the, the dialogue that you have at the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 16. You have the Pharisees, you have Jesus Christ, and they're kind of talking, and you see a bunch of parables there. You see it in the beginning of, of chapter 16, the parable of the unjust steward. Uh, you even see, uh, even beyond that, if you turn the page, uh, several parables and things uh, that he's, he's speaking to his disciples about, and he's teaching them. And, and then you find just before the passage we read in verse 14 that Jesus is answering the Pharisees. And, uh, and they're talking about the law. And they're talking about several different things. And I've often paused and I've thought about in the midst of all these parables, in the midst of all these uh, truths that Christ is trying to teach, why would he take this moment here and talk about something completely different? Talk about something that I believe is pointed. Talk about this story that is a little sobering, a little somber this, this evening. Why would he do that? And I believe Jesus Christ had a specific point. You see, now I think the Pharisees wanted to uh, get Jesus off track. They wanted to trick him. We know that uh, for certain that he tried. Uh, they would question him over and over again. And they would try to trip him up and... and um, you know, Christ knew, of course, what the Pharisees were thinking. He knew what the crowds were uh, were wandering and what they were uh, thinking in their minds. And so Christ, of course, every time answered accordingly, uh, the, just the perfect way. And I think that's an important lesson for us as we ask God for wisdom, when we ask Him for discernment on how to deal with a world that is questioning, uh, how to deal with a world that is often uh, trying to uh, get us tripped up and try to step on our faith, uh, that we ask the Lord to give uh, us wisdom and how to, to handle these answers. And I look here at verse 14 through 17, and, and I see him give this answer to the, uh, to the Pharisees here about the law, and then it's almost like he pauses. And it's almost like he just completely turns the tables back to what really matters. You ever, you ever go out soul winning and you know, you're trying to talk to somebody, and you go through the Romans road, and then all of a sudden they start talking about their car? You ever have that? You're just like, what do I do with that, you know? Oh, yeah, beautiful card. Well, let me get back to why I'm here, okay? And, uh, and I believe that sometimes in Jesus' ministry, they wanted to get him off track. They wanted to get him away from the things that matter. And he, he not only is just getting him back on track, but I believe he's very pointed. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm speaking, I'll, I'll, I'll go down this whole rabbit trail and I'll just have thinking and a whole process of, of things that I'll be talking about. And I'll get to the end of it and I'm like, why did I bring that up? Why did I say that? Well, I believe tonight we're going to find Jesus Christ. The reason why he brought this up uh, is because he was calling the attention of the disciples to three truths this evening. And I hope these truths will be a help to us. Starting in verse number 22, uh, we see that there is a call to reality. Christ is pausing. He's getting his disciples away. He's, he's separating now, not, not getting questioned anymore, not being tripped up. Hey, we're going to focus on what really matters. And we're going to pause, and I believe that this story recorded in the latter chapter 
of Luke 16 is a true story. Many may uh, disagree with me, but I, I think when you look at the different parables, many times Christ would say uh, that this is a parable. Uh, even sometimes he would, he would uh, tell the story, and then at the end he would define what the story meant. And uh, we don't find this here in the latter portion of Luke 16. We, we kind of just see him tell the story. We also, I believe it's a true story because it uses a real name, Lazarus, a specific place. And so with that being said, uh, we're, we're, I want us to first and foremost see a call to reality. You see, there's a reality today that our world and everybody in it is going to die. There is a reality of death. We see in verse number 22 that, uh, that it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. But also, too, the rich man also died and was buried. We're reminded in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27, that it is a man, appointed unto a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You know, I couldn't help, but the other day we went with our missionaries to uh, New York, and we're traveling around there, and we're walking down the streets, and, and every time I looked, I could see people. And I thought, where are these people going? Where, what are they doing? How many of them at the end of their life are going to approach heaven? How many of them are going to approach hell? And we see souls every single day, but sometimes we're blinded by the exterior and we forget to see the interior that, hey, every human being has a soul and the reality of death is real. So everyone will die one day and spend eternity in a place either heaven or hell, but as I mentioned in Hebrews 9, we see that it's appointed a man wants to die, but then after this, it's a reality of judgment. So let's look and contrast these two characters that are mentioned in Luke chapter 16. We see first and foremost, there's Lazarus. Now Lazarus uh, was a beggar. Lazarus was not a rich man, as mentioned uh, before. He had uh, sores, but when he died... He, he didn't, he, the Bible doesn't even really say that he even got a proper burial. Nothing special. It just says that he died and he was, uh, he was, um, uh, a certain man, uh, verse number 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And so this man's rewards were not just temporal, they weren't here on this earth, but they were eternal. He was able now, once he passed from this earth, to have angels carry him uh, into this place called Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham's bosom is a place that the Jews would call uh, a place of paradise, a place of of ease. Uh, This is a place much like heaven, what we would classify as heaven. And so as we look to this, we see today that uh, you, we can be deceived often as we look at this passage of Scripture to see that perhaps maybe this beggar uh, had gone to uh, heaven because he was just poor, because uh, he uh, didn't have any, any riches or anything like that, or maybe it was his works or what have you. But I, I want to remind you that that's not the case. Don't be deceived as we look at this passage of Scripture. In order to properly interpret how to go to heaven, we must take Scripture and compare it with Scripture. As we're reminded in Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. It is sin, first and foremost, that separates us from going to a perfect place of heaven to an imperfect place of hell. God in His glory is perfect and, and we fall short of, uh, so far short of that. Romans te- uh, chapter 5, verse number na- uh, 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I've often come across people out soul winning and I've, I've talked to them and, and uh, they put so much faith in their works and getting them. And I say, well, if, if works is how we get to heaven, 
then why did Jesus have to come? If we are the ones that are saving ourselves and we're just working our way to heaven, well then why did Jesus have to come to this earth? You see, my friend, justification does not come by our works, but only by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Moreover, uh, then being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved by, uh, we should be saved from wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, Romans chapter 5, verse number 1, again reminds us, Therefore, being now justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, my friend, don't be distracted in Luke 16 by the fact that this rich man, uh, his riches uh, did not merit him his eternal uh, destiny or the beggar uh, meriting him his eternal destiny as well. But it is rather what we do with our faith, whether we put it in Christ or whether we put it in ourself, whether we put it in uh, the eternal treasures that we can, uh, we can, we can have, or we put it in the temporal treasures of this earth. And so we look at Lazarus and we see that he, he died and was buried, uh, but the, the angels then took him up into Abraham's bosom, this place of paradise. And in the contrast, we see this rich man. This rich man, unfortunately, had spent his whole life uh, getting and getting and gaining and gaining and trying to attain uh, the finest things of life. We see uh, in, the, in the very beginning that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. I've been in California and I... I remember often uh, driving through uh, Los Angeles and, and, you know, you can go through Beverly Hills and there's some beautiful houses. But don't be deceived, you just go one street over off of the main strip there and, and there's uh, the homeless and there's uh, those that uh, have nothing and, and are just living right on the streets. But you look at that main strip and there's the most beautiful houses and what they do is they just, they invest all the time. Many of these folks are in Hollywood and, and, uh, and, and trying to attain as much as they possibly can. Uh, and they're set, they're, they're putting their affections on the things of this world and not on the things uh, that the Lord would have. You see, uh, this morning, this evening, rather, I think often of, of Tom Brady, who uh, is uh, probably a big fan. How many of you are Tom Brady fans? Uh, New England Patriots. Okay, so pretty good amount. Uh, you know, just a few years ago, he was uh, he was signing a contract for forty one million dollars with the, with the New England Patriots. This, of course, is is before he uh, he went with the Buccaneers. And you know, Tom Brady was a national champion back in nineteen ninety seven. He was Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in two thousand five. In two thousand seven, he was Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, we find even further that he uh, is a two-time NFL passer uh, rating leader, a three-time passing yards leader, a four-time passing touchdown leader, a 14-time Pro Bowler, a two-time uh, Offensive Player of the Year, three-time Most Valuable Player in the NFL, five-time uh, Super Bowl MVP, and a seven-time Super Bowl champion. He's got quite the, uh, the repertoire. He, he's got quite the, the resume here uh, of being a successful sports player. And he's, he's gained so much and he has so many accolades, so much money. And uh, just after his third Super Bowl victory, he was talking with 60 Minutes and he said, Why do I have these three rings? I still feel like there's something greater out there for me. And maybe a lot of people would say, Hey man, this is what it is. This is, this is what it's all about. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think 
there's just got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't it. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Steve Crafts asked the question, what's the answer? Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And even working with teenagers and, and seeing them so often uh, leave high school and go to college and, and want to be stars and want to get all the money and want to be successful in the world's eyes, and yet uh, these, these stars are trying to tell them, hey, this is, this is what it is, this is great, this is the life, come get money, come seek riches, come get all that the world can offer and, and see where it gets you. And yet in the end, even the most famed stars still have to ask, What is next? Is this really all that it's cracked up to be? We see here that there is a reality, a reality of of death. We see that there's also a reality of judgment. But I want to see second here that there is a call for relief. We've seen the call, uh, the call here of reality. Now we see the call of relief and in verse number 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send uh, Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. This man is calling now for relief from hell. It's a place of tormenting forces. We see in verse number 23, a place of darkness, a place of loneliness, a place, what I believe one of the scariest things, a place of remembrance. You'll remember the time that somebody came and knocked on your door and tried to share the gospel with you. You'll remember the time when, uh, when, when, when you heard the preaching of God's Word and the Holy Spirit was tugging on your heart in the pew and, and you're calling out, you're saying, no, leave me alone, leave me alone, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to go down, I'm not going to be embarrassed. You'll remember that moment. You'll remember all the times of life and all the loved ones there that, that you miss. You'll be all alone. It's a place where the devil lives. It's a place where the devil and his, his angels live. It's a place of, of tormenting force. It's a place of a torturing flame. Verse number 24, he's calling out and he's saying, Hey, I just want the tip of his finger to dip in water and just put it on my tongue, please, because I am tormented in this flame. But unfortunately, we find that hell is not only a place of tormenting forces, torturing flame, but a terrifying rejection. Because there are no vacations, there is no rest, there is no exit from this place called hell. Because once you go there, you've had your opportunity of life to accept Jesus Christ to be your Savior, but now you are stuck in this place, all alone, not knowing the eternal destiny of your your fellow man, not knowing who else is in this place of torment with you. There is no vacation, as I said. There is no rest. There is no exit. Some of us, I believe, if we just had one moment to dip our toe, just our toe in this place called hell, it would wake us up a little bit more. It would cause us to have more fervor in our step. It would cause us to be grabbing Easter brochures right and left and saying, who else can I give? Who else will I see on the streets that needs to know the truth of God's Word? And also, I believe that as we see this terrifying rejection, there's a rejection of Christ And now, Christ will reject him for all of eternity. You see, on this earth, many people will say different circumstances are are terrible and are like hell. 
But the worst part of hell is that there is no God in hell. You see, on this earth, even uh, through circumstances, even through uh, very terrible situations, we still have a God who loves each and every one of us, who uh, desires to have fellowship with us. We have folks that are saved, that have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and there is a presence of God in the world still. I believe it's one of the scariest things once the church is raptured, that the presence of God will be gone. The Spirit of God will be removed from the earth. And that's much like what hell will be like. We will have no presence with the Lord. We will have no more hope. There will be no help. There will be no more life preservers to go out. No more singing, but rather weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's looking for personal relief. He's calling out, Hey, Father Abraham, help me, help me, I'm tormented in this flame. And there's a great gulf fixed. And then finally we see here that there's a relief for his brethren. He wants relief from hell, but he has no hope. So what's next? Thinks of his brethren. Who's next? Who else will go to this place? Who else? I, I don't want anybody to go here. I don't want anybody to be at this place. I don't want anybody to, to have to experience even just for a day what I will experience for all of eternity. That leads us into our third and final point, a call for reaction. A call for reaction. We have first a call to reality. Next, a call for relief. And a call for reaction. Look at verse number 24. Or 20, 27, rather. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou, uh, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that, that he may testify unto him, lest they also come into this place of torment. You know, years ago, I believe it was about, about six years ago, I went out soul winning. Uh, and I grew up going soul winning with my, my parents and went through many classes, many courses. And some of you uh, just graduated from some of the soul winning classes here. And I remember being in college and I was a freshman. Went out soul winning one of the first weeks out in California, just north of Los Angeles area. And uh, went out with a freshman and, and he was from, from Colorado. His name was Brandon. I remember this day distinctly. It was a beautiful day. And uh, Brandon had never gone soul winning before. He's from rural Colorado and, and really knew nothing about soul winning. And so I'm kind of coaching him and I, 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 I kind of was uh, doing a lot of the door knocking and things and and uh, he was just going to be the silent partner. And he turned to me and he said, hey, you know, can, can, I, can, I, can I try? Brandon is now serving the Lord in ministry. And, and uh, Brandon uh, just had zeal. He just wanted to go and he just wanted to preach the gospel. And so Brandon uh, decides, I'm going to knock this door. So I said, hey, Brandon, go right ahead. And I'll never forget this door distinctly. I remember there was uh, kind of a stucco siding and had concrete steps, three steps that went up. And a and, uh, beautiful day. We walk up. We knock on the door. I'm standing at the bottom of the steps. Brandon's right up there. And he knocks on the door. A man comes to the door just a few moments. He says, hello, how can I help you? Brandon proceeds to kind of go down this, uh, you know, his, his little speech and his little spiel. And he says, hi, I'm from the uh, name of the church that we were, we were with. And he uh, said, you know, we're just going out and inviting people out to church. Do you, do you go to church anywhere? No, I don't, I don't go to church anywhere. Kind of, kind of stuck. Uh, Brandon said, well, okay, well, we love to have you at our church. But, you know, more importantly than going to church is we're going out, making sure that everybody knows that when they die, they're going to heaven. 
This man kind of shook his head and he said, yes, I know I'm going to hell. Now I'll tell you, I've never in my life heard anybody say that before. And uh, Brandon was just kind of taken back, a little bit kind of like, what was that, you know? And uh, this is all new to Brandon, so Brandon says, well, you know, you don't have to go to hell. There's, there's a place called heaven, and God wants you to go there. And he begins to go down the Romans road and begins to explain that he's a sinner and begins to uh, share how Christ died for him and that he can accept this free gift of salvation. And, and the, the man stops him. He said, no, 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 you don't understand me. He, say, he said, you know, I, I, I know how to go to heaven. I know that Jesus Christ came. I know that I can accept this free gift of salvation and go to heaven, but I am a sinner and I choose not to. Brandon just froze. He had no idea what to say. He, just thinking, thinking, and I, I decided I, I, would, I would kind of jump in. I said, sir, I don't think you understand the magnitude of what you just said. He said, oh, yes, I do. I said, sir, and I explained to him what hell is like. I said, it's a place where, where God not, does not intend any human to go, but unfortunately, because of our sin, yes, it does condemn us there, but He gives us a way so that we can get away from this place of torment, a place of torture, a place of uh, tormenting forces. And, and I began to, to talk to him a little bit. And he said, no, I, I'm just too wicked of a person. I, I know I don't deserve this free gift of salvation. I said, sir, you're right. None of us deserve it. But Jesus loves us enough, and He offers it to us anyway. And I said, you can take this. You know how to be saved. And he said, well, well, just hold on for a second. I, I have an atheist friend who uh, lived a great life, and he, uh, he, had, he was very rich, and, and people in the community just loved him, just adored him, and uh, was well-respected. And I, immediately, my mind just went to Luke 16. And I, I started thinking, and I, he's, he's still talking about this gentleman, and at the end he said, you know, this, this atheist gentleman just recently passed away. And I want to live my life just like him. I want to be well favored, I want to have the fame, I want to have the riches, and, and I just want to live like this atheist man who just passed away. And I said, sir, where, where do you think this atheist man is today? And knowing the truth of God's Word, hung his head and said, He's probably in hell. And I said, do you think right now he is praying for your soul to not enter the same place he is right now? And he froze and kind of got a little choked up. He said, well, maybe. And I said, sir, here's your ticket to go to heaven. We could be the last opportunity for you to go there. And I gave him the track, and, and he still rejected. And I said, sir, every day that you wake up, I want you to look at this track, and I want you to praise God that you have another day that you can accept Christ. He looked me square in the face. I've never seen somebody so serious in my life. And he said, I will look at this track every day, and I will decide whether I'll accept Christ. I can't guarantee that I will, but I promise you I'll never throw this track away. I'll leave it right by my bedside, and every day I wake up, I'll do exactly as you say. That was six years ago. I don't know where that man is today. I like to think that one day he woke up, realized that hell is a real place, that there is a reality of his death, there is a reality of this judgment that is to come, and he, he thought to himself, I don't deserve heaven, but praise God, I have a ticket that gets me there. 
And I can know that I'm going to heaven. And I, I, every day, every, every time I think of that story, I pray for him. I think, man, somebody's so deceived. Somebody's so blinded and, and, and is going down a path of destruction. And, and so today there is a call to reaction. There's a call for all of us to go out. We see in verse number 29 that it says, Let them hear them. What is this that he's talking about? We see that it's Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets, of course, refers to God's Word. Of course, uh, specifically towards uh, the Pentateuch and the early parts of, of the Old Testament. And the prophets, even uh, talking about the complete Old Testament, pointing, of course, to Christ and the Messiah that would soon come. We know that the Messiah came. His name's Jesus Christ, and He came and died on the cross of Calvary. And so now it is our turn, our job, to go and to preach this great gospel, this great truth to our society so that they can have a home in heaven. Romans chapter 10, verse number 14 says this, How shall they call in Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So we think about this uh, even further. It says this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, hath, uh, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to be the ones today that are going and are, are, as Jude says, having compassion, making a difference. And that's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But even the next verse, it, the, the connotation there is some pulling them out of the fire. There's some vigor. There's some energy. There is some force behind it that, hey, yes, there are some folks we need to come next to and we need to help and we need to show compassion to and slowly, gradually lead them to Christ and help them to see the truths of God's Word. But hey, there's some others that you're working on right now that, hey, reality is they don't have much time left. And so there's that vigor, that, that force, that excitement that we need to have when it comes to, to helping people come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And so as we walk along the streets, as we go our separate ways this evening into this week, I want you to think that every person you come across at your workplace, on the streets, maybe you're getting a Starbucks coffee, that person is a soul that will spend eternity somewhere. Every person you come across will see eternity. You might think today, that's such a daunting task. How do I accomplish this? How do we see uh, these thousands and millions of people, I believe there's seven billion people in the world, how do we see them saved? Well, it starts with one. Right? I believe pastor said that. I heard a story not too long ago of this young boy. The young boy was on the beach, and perhaps maybe in New Jersey, maybe even here in Connecticut, and a storm had just come through and, and had, uh, had drawn these clams up, and the clams were just littered uh, down miles and miles and miles of beach. And, uh, and, and the sun had just come out, and it's starting to get a little warmer. The, the storm has kind of gone back out to sea. And this, this boy sees these clams and gets burdened. He looks, and, and he starts grabbing these clams and starts throwing them back in the water. Now there's thousands, maybe even millions of these clams all just littered all on this beach. A spectating man was in the background, and, and he's kind of watching this boy frantically grabbing these clams and throwing them in the water. 
And he finally went up to the boy and he said, what are you doing? And he said, well, sir, these clams got washed up on the beach because of the storm and now the sun is coming out and soon they will dry up and they will die and I'm trying to save them. I'm trying to save them. The man just kind of chuckled and he, he said, boy, look, there are miles and miles of beach. So many clams. You're not going to make a difference. The boy shrugged his shoulders and with determination in his face, knelt down, grabbed a clam, threw it in the water. He said, sir, I made a difference with that one. And he grabbed another clam and he said, sir, I made a difference with that one. And he grabbed another clam and kept going, throwing them into the water to save their lives. And my friend, you and I need to be determined just like that boy to go out into our world and to preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can be saved like those clams from a place of death, a place of torment, a place of loneliness, a place apart from God. That they can have a home in heaven with God for all of eternity. It starts with one. Leads to another. I'm so encouraged by this church coming in here and, and having Great Commission Saturday and, and just uh, a focus on not just saving one, but then reproducing it and getting those to go out. And one turns into two. Turns, two turns into four. Four turns into, you, you name it. You keep going. You, you go and go and go. But every... Every individual in here needs to take a part. Every person. We all come across different folks throughout the day. Some of us have relatives. Some of us have, have uh, loved ones that, that are on their way to hell. So what are we going to do? Will we stay silent? You know, just a, a few nights ago, we sang a song, So little time, the harvest will be over. Our reaping done. We reapers taken home. And I sing that song and it brings tears to my eyes every day because it's truth. It's not just a song that we sing, but it's a reality. There is so little time. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed the next minute. What are we going to do? One final illustration here, just, just a song that we used to sing many years ago. Heard it was such an encouragement to my heart. It said, in a world full of broken dreams where the truth is hard to find, for every promise that is kept, there are many left behind. Though it seems that nobody cares, it still matters what you do. Because there's a difference you can make, but the choice is up to you. Will you be the one to answer to his call? Will you stand when those around you fall? Will you be the one to take His light into a darkened world? Tell me, will you be the one? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe tonight we looked at a true account, a tragic account of a man that died and is still, even today, in a place of torment. Lord, we could preach this message five years down the road and he'll still be there. I pray that our church, starting with me, Lord, will get a greater burden for the lost. May we not just sit, soak, and sour until you return, but may we be seeking 
Lord, with your spirit, saving. Lord, many of us in here have co-workers, friends, loved ones that don't know you as Savior. Maybe we've tried to preach the gospel to them. They've rejected. They would not give up. May tonight our prayers be even more fervent. May they even be more passionate, Lord, more sincere, that they will come to know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you be with this evening. Lord, be with the decisions that will be made. Lord, Easter's coming up, a time where we can easily get a guest, a visitor to come in, or just even just leaving a, a door hanger. May we pray for, over these door hangers as we leave them and, and, and pray that, that folks will, will see it, come into these doors, and that, Lord, your gospel will be preached and they will receive the truth. Lord, all of us need to do our part. So many that are wavering, so many tonight that aren't even meeting because reality hasn't hit them. There is a place. You don't want us to go, Lord. You've asked us to be the bearers of your gospel. I pray that tonight you'll, you'll be with us, be with this invitation. We ask your name. Amen.